0: Um, about something that we think about probably a whole lot, uh, especially uh, in the day and time that we live, and that is how we look around and looks like everything is just falling apart. (laughs) Everything is falling apart. And not only things around us, but sometimes I feel like I'm falling apart. Sometimes we feel like we are falling apart Falling to pieces like everything is just going to crash and burn. And what I want to remind you of today, uh, and something that we need to remind ourselves of often and really every day, is that God is in control. He has never lost control. Uh, Things are happening just the way He said that they would. It's kind of like a parent. I have to liken it to a parent who says, I'm telling you, if you keep doing that, this is going to (laughs) happen. And lo and behold, as a child, you keep doing it, and what your parents said was going to happen has happened. Are there any parents who have used those words here today? Any any parents? You keep doing that, this is going to happen. Okay. Any kids kept doing it and it did happen? Raise your hand. (laughs) Probably. Probably everybody here. God's in control, church, of everything. He is in control, and He loves us. We sang about that this morning. He, ha- he does have a plan. He has a plan for every life. We know that because Scripture tells us. But we have a tendency to think and feel that when things are falling apart the way that they are around us, and even our li- our own lives seem to be falling apart, that He must have it in force. And there's, there's some theology out there that tells us that. Um, and this is the same kind of theology that Job had to deal with. He had best of friends telling him well you must have done something really bad for your life to be falling apart like it's falling apart but what Job didn't really know what Job's friends didn't really know is that something was going on in heaven there was a conversation taking place and God was up to something and he was allowing things to happen because there was a greater ending than anything that had already happened something greater and more powerful was going to happen later on down the road, God knew God was up to something because once again, God was in control. God was in control. God is in control. And let's just finish it out. God will be in control. And we need to always, always remember that. And he, something that He is so good at doing is restoring. God is a restorer. He is not a destroyer. Uh, He is not a vindictive, manipulative, uh, hateful, disinterested God. What He does, He does for restoration and to restore things. And He's better at it than anybody else. As a matter of fact, He shows us what it is. And He can put back together things that have been broken to pieces. I would dare say that there's quite a few souls here today that have been put back together by our great restorer after having felt like you broke to pieces. And I dare say that sometime in the future that may happen again to to some of us. But in the scripture that we're going to read today, there's just a great illustration of how God restores when something has fallen apart and there's nothing but a few pieces left. Think about that. So let's read Amos chapter 3. Amos chapter 3. And we're going to begin with verse 11. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. An enemy will overrun the land. He will pull down your strongholds and plunder your fortresses. This is what the Lord says. As a shepherd saves, uh, or in some translations it says recovers. As a shepherd saves from the lion's mouth only two leg bones or a piece of an ear. So will the Israelites be saved. Those who sit in Samaria on the edge of their beds and in Damascus on their couches. So we have Amos here. Amos is a minor prophet. And Amos, along with all the other minor prophets, had the job of letting Israel know that unless they changed their ways, that judgment was going to come down. Unless they changed their ways... And we know the history, we know the story of the Israelite people. We know that God had chosen Israel to be His very own, His special possession. God had chosen Israel. And He had raised them up and He took them by the hand and He led them out of the captivity of Egypt. And that's something that they had longed for. And He fed them and He provided for them for 40 years in the wilderness. It's amazing just that part of the story that there was a want for anything and that he took care of them and amazingly the clothes that they wore lasted and, and, and manna came from heaven and water came from rocks and God can do anything. But he, he took care of them and he provided for them. And he brought them into a land that was flowing with milk and honey and he drove their enemies out before them and they said, well, we want a king. And he let them have a king. And he extended their borders and he blessed their crops. And he just was so good to them. And then, this is the habit though of the Israelite people. They kept turning from God to worship other things. They kept turning away from God to worship idols. And this was of course not pleasing to God. I mean, look after all at what God had done for them. And whether he had done all that for them or not, look at who God is. And they turned from him and worshipped other things and, and worshipped idols. And so God sent these prophets who repeatedly warned the people, you know, if you don't listen and if you don't turn from worshipping these idols, then destruction and trouble and, and judgment is going to come down. And so there came a breaking point And Amos had to prophesy that the Assyrians were going to come. And they were going to invade the land. They were going to destroy the land. And they were going to take the people captive. And so the, the devastation would be so complete and so devastating that all that would be left of Israel would be two leg bones and a piece of veneer. That's basically what's being said here in this scripture. So, it doesn't sound good for for Israel, but there's more to this story. There usually is. And I want us to see, as we look at, at what happened after this, that we can look to God to do the same things He did for Israel. He can do them for us. And He will do them for us, and He wants to do them for us. Again, He is not a mean God sitting on... A cold throne looking at who He can hit with a lightning bolt next. That's not our God. As a matter of fact, when everything does fall apart, we can look to our God and remember that our God, and I've already said this, He restores. Our God restores. Think about that. Think about your life. Has He ever restored you? Uh, if you're a saved person this morning he has restored you to a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ maybe you've been through a devastating situation circumstance a week month year decade lifetime and you're broken and you have been restored and you're in a place of blessing right now and you you are enjoying God's favor but the the store the the illustration that he's given here the bones and the piece of veneer I mean that's a little bit graphic it's a little bit gross to think about, isn't it? But it's such a beautiful story. Uh, you know, back in ancient times, when predators would come and, and attack sheep, um, sometimes all that they would leave after attacking and, and eating uh, would just be a few pieces here and there. These pieces were important because what the shepherd would do is he would gather these pieces up and he would take these pieces to the sheep owner to account for the loss of the sheep that have been killed. And so God kind of depicts Himself as the shepherd who recovers the broken pieces. And we know because of what has been said in the Scripture that Israel is going to be devastated. And though they're going to be devastated, they're not going to be destroyed beyond recovery. He's not going to allow that to happen. And what God's going to do is He's going to start with what's left, with the pieces that are left. And He's going to restore Israel into a place of blessing again. Because after all, they are His people. And He loves His people. And He promised, He made promises to Israel. Jump ahead, um, if you want to turn there, the Scripture will come up. But in Amos chapter 9, listen to this promise of restoration. Also in verse 11 and 12. In that day will I raise up, or in some translations it says restore, the tabernacle of David that is fallen, and close up the breaches thereof, and I will raise up or restore his ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old. And they may possess the remnant of Edom, and of all the heathen, which are called by my name, saith the Lord that doeth this. So you see him talking about the tabernacle of David, and what that is a reference to is the Davidic line of kings. And even though Israel has been torn apart, and even though the house of David has been overthrown, what he's saying here is that there's going to come a time when God's going to raise up a future king of the house of David. And this king is going to restore Israel and build her up again. Who is this king? Jesus. From the youngest to the oldest, we know who that is. The king that is coming is Jesus. So Israel was down in a bad place, but God promised restoration. So think about your own life. Are you in a place of destruction? Are you in a place of despair? Are you in a place where things have broken into pieces and you just feel like a not a complete person because of what's happened in your life? Maybe your heart's been shattered into a million pieces. Maybe the enemy has attacked your family. Maybe the enemy has attacked your marriage or your finances. Uh, maybe your emotions are a mess. And you just feel that you've been attacked and that you're in a million pieces. And all that, all that you have left is a couple of leg bones and a piece of veneer. Or you feel like there's not much left to you that it would be impossible to even put you back together again. But what we can do in a situation like that is we can take heart because God is... A restorer, and he can take what is left and bring you to a place of blessing again, into a place of completeness, into a place of wholeness that we all long for. And we see him doing this. This would be one thing if this is all the scripture we had to go by, but we see him restoring all through scripture. And we've already mentioned Job, and Job was he lost everything? He's sitting in the dirt and he's scratching his boils with broken pottery pieces. I mean, how much, how, how lower can you go? How much further down can you be? But we also know that the story of Job ends with him having more than he had to begin with. God blessing him and restoring him with more than he had to begin with. We've also got the story in First Samuel of David and his men, and after they came back from battle, they came, to see, came home to see their houses burned. And their women and their children had been taken captive. And they were at a very low place. And it was so bad that even David's men talked about stoning him. Because, of course, they saw all of this as his fault. But what David did and what Scripture tells us is that he encouraged himself in the Lord. And that's a beautiful piece of Scripture right there. David encouraged himself in the Lord. And God told him to pursue and overtake... And recover everything. And David did. And David was able to get his children and his wife back. That's Old Testament stuff. You got anything a little bit newer? Well, let's take a look at Peter. Peter who denied Christ. Acted like he didn't even know who Jesus was. Can you imagine having walked with Jesus as much as as Peter did? And having experienced and being with Him and seeing what He was and seeing His heart and then having an opportunity to stand up and say, yes, I know Him. What you do to Him, you just do to me. Because we're we're in this together. But no, He didn't say that. He goes, I don't know who that is. I've never seen Him. I've not been around Him. Can you imagine how He felt? Like everything was falling apart. His best friend being crucified and he denied him when he had a chance to stand up for him. But you know what Jesus did? Jesus gave him a prominent place in the early church. He didn't say, you had your chance, get out of here. He restored him. Think about that. That's what God does. Um, there, in the days of Joel, In the days of the prophet Joel, God sent an invasion of locusts. And it destroyed the land of Israel till there was nothing left. And then God spoke through Joel, and he said this to Israel. Uh, You're not going to have this scripture, but I'm going to read it. He says, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. I'm going to restore you, he says. So, what that shows is God's nature to restore, not to beat down. Not to beat further down after you already feel down. And not to take the pieces that are left of you and scatter them to the wind. But he is, that's His nature to restore. And I can testify to that. I can testify to being uh, in a million pieces and knowing that God has put me back together again and brought me to a place where I never thought I would be again. And, and I know that you have been through things like that as well. And I want to say to you who feels like things are broken and ruined and fallen apart that God is in the business of restoration and He is up to something, just like He was up to something with Job. He is up to something in your life. Know that and be encouraged by that and know that it delights Him to restore that which has been broken it brings glory to God when He does that. He loves us. He longs to restore. And, you know, God, the Old Testament prophets uh, mentioned the coming judgment over and over and over again. And something else that's encouraging there is that every time that He mentioned that, He also gave a reason for hope. You know, you're going to experience this and this is going to happen, but there was always a reason to hope and to believe that things would get better and that things would be restored. You know, Israel would be chastened by God, but He would restore them. And He never mentioned destruction. And He never mentioned devastation without offering restoration. That is a loving God. That is a God who wants to take care of you whatever you're going through. So for you and for me, this is what you, we can know if our lives are falling apart for whatever reason. God can take what is left of us and restore us into a place of goodness, and to a place of blessing. And there's nothing that God cannot do. We, we have a tendency to be hand-wringers, worriers, anxious. And, and I've done this before, and I have to believe you have too, to think that, well, this problem that I have, I don't know anybody who has it. I don't know anybody who has this same situation going on. And I've never, so I, I don't have a frame of reference here. And so, it's not that you think the problem is too big for God, but sometimes maybe you you, you camp out in that territory for a little bit. This is a really big problem. And why would God, why would God, want to fix it because look at me look what I've done look how undeserving I am but remember it's his nature to restore and sometimes I have felt like there is nothing left to put together have you felt that way there's nothing left I'm spent there's nothing left for God to put together and then I remember scripture like this I remember that God specializes in nothing think about that God specializes in nothing. Now you can take that a couple of ways. You could take it like well he doesn't know what he's doing because he can't do anything, or he can take nothing and do something with it. And Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 tells us, "Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear." In other words, what is seen was not made out of something that was already there. So in other words, God took nothing and He made the universe and everything in it. So if you feel like nothing, if you feel like you're down to nothing, if you feel like you're broken into so many pieces, there are nothing left, remember what your Creator did with nothing. He made everything that we see. He is a restorer. But here's something else that's that's just as important. Uh, To me, and I think it will be to you as well, that when it seems like everything is falling apart, I remember that God remains, that God remains. What does that mean? Well, think back to the illustration of the sheep and the predator that comes and and takes the sheep and and kills the sheep. What does the shepherd do? Well, I'll tell you what the the herd's going to do. The herd's going to go ahead and leave and get out of there. They're not interested in hanging around where a predator has been. They're interested in going and feeding their bellies because there's some green grass over there. But what does the shepherd do? The shepherd goes and seeks those leftover pieces and he picks them up and takes them to the one who the sheep belongs to. He hung around. And that's a picture of what our God does. Even though our feelings and our emotions put us in a place where we feel like he has left us, He's deserted us, and He has forgotten us. He never, 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 ever will. He never has, He never is, He never will. He will. Uh, the shepherd of my soul and yours will always be right there, and He will never give up on us. Your family might give up on you. You ever had that to happen? Your friends, the ones who said they'd stick by you through thick or thins, They will give up on you. But God will never, ever give up on us. Ever. And we have to be so careful in situations like this because our feelings are unreliable. And sometimes, again, we feel like God's not there. And He's not hearing us. And He's not listening to us. But that's why the Bible says we are commanded to live by faith and not by sight. And my faith tells me That God is with me, and He always will be. And He will not leave me, and He will not desert me. I want you to think about Israel again for just a minute. And how they rebelled against God, and how God never gave up on them. And He kept calling out to them through these prophets. And when judgment came, God told Israel that despite the invasion, despite the defeat, despite the utter destruction despite the fact that you're exiled, that He was going to be with them. He promised that. I'm going to read Leviticus uh, chapter 26. A couple of verses there, beginning with 44. This is what God told His people. And yet, for all that, when they be in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away. Neither will I abhor them, to destroy them utterly, and to break My covenant with them. For I am the Lord their God. How can I, the Lord their God, destroy the covenant that I have made with them? He's not going to do it. And He has made a covenant for you and with you. I will be with you. He will not forsake that. Verse 45, But I will for their sakes remember the covenant of their ancestors whom I brought forth out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the heathen, that I might be their God. I am the Lord. I, I imagine that as... As I will, I, I'm I going to be their God. And you know it's true because I am the Lord. And this is my integrity that's at stake here. And I will not go back on my word. Because I love my people. And I made a covenant with my people. And that rings true of you and me today. As a child of God, He has promised that His He will be with me as the Holy Spirit. And He will never leave me. And so we can count on that. And I can hear him saying, I will be with you and I will will be your God. I am the Lord. You can trust what I'm saying to you. You can believe what I'm explaining to you. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, If we are faithless, he will remain faithful for he cannot disown himself. So he is not sticking with me because I'm faithful. He hasn't promised to never leave me and never forsake me because I'm such a good companion. Because I'll do everything that He says and asks of me. He's not staying with me because I'm faithful. Why is He staying with me? Why is He staying with you? Because He is faithful. He is faithful. He remains. And that's good news for everybody here today. It's amazing to know that. And I want to tell you that sometimes God allows you and me to come to a place in our lives where everything has fallen apart and it feels like nothing remains because He hopes that we will seek Him and we will trust Him in those moments and we'll discover that He is all that we need. He is all that we need. God told the people this through Amos. This comes from Amos chapter 5, beginning with verse 4. Seek ye me, and ye shall live. But seek not Bethel, nor in, enter into Gilgal, and pass not to Beersheba. For Gilgal shall, shall surely go into captivity, and Bethel shall come to naught. Seek the Lord, and ye shall live. Now, I don't know if you remember all these places or not, but all of these places have great spiritual importance think about Gilgal that is where Joshua parted the Jordan and the the Israelites were able to enter into the promised land Bethel was where Jacob met God Beersheba was where Abraham Isaac and Jacob encountered God these were important spiritual places so it seems People might try to go there to experience God, be closer to God, and talk to God. But you know what had happened to these spiritual places of importance? They had become centers of idol worship. Can you imagine? Centers of idol worship. And so, God was challenging Israel to consider their ways. See, they had abandoned God and they had sought idols. They had abandoned God and sought to worship other things which rings true of you and me today. Sometimes God's not as important to me as the materialistic things of this world. Sometimes God's not as important to me as the relationships that I have. Sometimes God is not as important to me as building up my retirement and making sure that I'm going to be covered when I retire. Sometimes we seek other things and sometimes we worship other things and we are all guilty of that but he says don't seek those things seek me and live seek me first and I will take care of everything else it's very simple yet for the life of me and you we cannot do anything different than what the Israelites did it seems always going away from God towards things that look more exciting or seem to be more important at the time but have and and knowing that we have to ask ourselves this question i have to ask myself this question is it my disobedience that has brought me to the place where i am is it our disobedience that has brought us to this place where it seems like everything is falling apart i have to ask myself that question looking at the history of the israelite people Maybe I have been seeking all the wrong things in all the wrong places instead of seeking God and remembering that He's always there and that He remains and He never leaves. Maybe I've been focusing on the wrong things and not focusing on Him, worshiping the things of the world instead of worshiping Him. Maybe I've come to a point where I've forgotten my spiritual heritage. And forgotten what's really important. But I got to remember that life is found nowhere else but in Jesus. And Scripture says, choose life that you might live. It's telling us, choose Jesus. Don't choose the world, don't choose other people. Choose Jesus, seek Jesus. And when you do that, you'll find, as a believer, that He's always been there. He's never left. There's one more thing I want to bring about from this Scripture of the two leg bones and the piece of an ear. And that is that God redeems. He restores, He remains, and He redeems. That leg bone that we talked about earlier and that was in our Scripture... That's something that the predators usually didn't eat because it was just bone. There was nothing to it but, but bone. And so we know this, that the shepherd would gather the bones together and because they were valuable uh, to the owner of that sheep. And so what our God does is He gathers the, the things that seem worthless and He redeems them because they're valuable to Him. And surely as a child of God, you have had a time in your life, and I'm speaking maybe specifically before you were saved. And sometimes at the moment of of salvation, uh, at the moment of conversion, at the moment where you realize that you need God in your life, is when you realize how utterly worthless you are. And your efforts to, to be good and to do the right thing and to stay on a good path are worthless and you'll never be able to do it and yet he treasures you so much that he has offered a way for you to be with him and for him to be with you and for you to be restored and for you to be redeemed and for your sin to be forgiven and taken and thrown as far as the east is from the west so you can go from a, from a place of feeling like nothing to realizing and being able to sing songs like how great is the love. The weight of the cross, the curse of our shame, you carried it all and rose from the grave. How great is the love. How great is the love. That's, that's what we're thought of. So I don't care how you feel, as bad as your life may be right now, has been, or will get, you are something of great worth and great value to God. Not because you're so special and not because you're so faithful, but because He is. And He just loves you. And I can't explain it. I've looked at many people. Anybody love them. That's, that's a little point to laugh at. I think we all have, but more importantly, I've looked at my own life and I've thought to myself, how can God love me? But He says He does, and He is the Lord. And I believe what He says over what anything or anyone in this world says. We are valuable to Him. And He gathers what is worthless and He redeems it. I want us to read, uh, this is from Amos chapter 9. This will be our last scripture for today. Amos 9, beginning with verse number 13. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes, him that soweth seed, and the mountains shall drop sweet wine, and all the hills shall melt. And I will bring again the captivity of my people of Israel, And they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof. And they shall also make gardens and eat the fruit of them. And I will plant them upon their land and they shall no more be pulled up out of their land which I have given them, saith the Lord. That's taking someone who has been exiled, someone who has lost everything, and redeeming them and putting them in a place of beauty, of fruitfulness, of, of eternal security. And one day, you and I, as believers, and only believers can experience this, are going to be plucked out of this, this fallen world and we're going to be placed in a place of beauty and security that we have heard of and read about and sung about and dreamed of. And it's, going to, it's forever. Forever. And we're not going to have to feel like our life is falling apart. We're not going to have to feel like we're in a million pieces and can't be put back together again. Because we will be in a place of wholeness and we will be in the presence of God and it will be a thing of beauty and it will last forever. Only though, only though if you will bring the broken pieces of your life and turn them over to the great shepherd. That's all he asks. Just come to me. And I will give you rest. But I don't have anything to offer. How many times have those words been uttered? Remember how God takes nothing and makes something wonderful, right? You remember the story of the multitude that followed Jesus. They were hungry. And there was a little boy who had basically nothing that could help all those people. Had a few fishes, a few loaves. But he put them in the hands of Jesus. And Jesus broke them up and fed everybody. And had had food left over. See, that's what God can do. That's what God can do in your life. He can take the, the bones and the piece of ear. He can take the fish and the loaves. Which seem like absolutely nothing. And he can turn something beautiful. Make something beautiful out of it. But it's but you have to put it in His hands. You've got to put it in His hands because that's where the difference is made. So if you're here this morning and you've been playing the role of Christian, coming to church, smiling, acting like everything is okay, but deep down here you know you're not okay. You know you're just play-acting because you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ then you need to let that go. You need to turn your life over to Him today. Today is the day of salvation. If that's you, then what we will do as a church is we will celebrate with you. We will love you. We will disciple you. We will pray for you. We will not judge you. We will not stand back and say, I thought they were saved already. Don't say those words. Say these words. Praise God. You turned your life over to Jesus. That's the best decision you could ever make. We are to be encouragers. Building each other up. Not tearing each other down. So if that's you this morning. And you know that you need Jesus. And you want this salvation. Then you just respond to this invitation. And we'll talk about that. Now I want you to go ahead and stand if you will. I want you to back.